Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your host, Jeff Jenkins. Warm greetings. We're so glad to have you with us again. We have today some of the most exciting material I believe that uh, we've recorded here too for. We want you to listen carefully. We want you to have your Bibles with us. We'll be offering some books afterwards. Uh, we're going to talk about the original sin. We're going to talk about why blood. We're going to talk about why a cross. We're going to talk about so many subject matters, Satan, the serpent. Uh, we're going to have some incredible time. We want you to listen carefully. We have with us today uh, our, our usual uh, guest and host, Brother Lonnie Jenkins, and a special guest, uh, Brother Stephen Strew, as well. And uh, we have some, as I said, some awesome material. Uh, Stephen, uh, Genesis, uh, the seed chapter, and we're talking about um, the fall in the Garden of Eden. Can you tell us more about it? <laughs> That's important what you mentioned uh, Brother Jeff, about the Genesis being the seed chapter of the Bible. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, the word comes uh, from the word seed. You, we, we all know all about genetic engineering now. That yes. also comes from the word gene. And uh, a, a gene, um, in the sense of a seed, contains information mm -hmm. that uh, determines how something develops. Mm -hmm. So if you plant a, an acorn in the ground, uh, that uh, uh, genetic code will uh, start to uh, sprout roots, it'll start to um, bring forth uh, the, the, uh, the initial uh, mm -hmm. blades coming up out of that seed until it turns into this huge oak tree and then of course reproduces uh, that's those same acorns again. Mm -hmm. So that code is contained in the seed but it's contained in a, uh, in a microscopic form and mm -hmm. it's contained in a way that doesn't um, lend itself to easy analysis. Uh, mm -hmm. They've only just in the last 30 years been able to break the genetic code, the human genome, and, and to be able to look at uh, DNA under a microscope and, mm -hmm. and see precisely how that information works. So it's not an easy thing to break the code that's contained in a gene. And Genesis is very similar. Mm -hmm. Revelation is similar in, in a different way in that Revelation is a book of symbols. Mm -hmm. And once again, you're, you're required to break the code, so to speak. You're Excellent. required to to interpret what is being said through the words without necessarily taking them literally. Genesis and Revelation are similar in that way. And they're furthermore, they're similar in that Satan hates those mm -hmm. two books. Genesis because it says how sin started. Revelation because it says uh, how sin will end and how Satan will end and what's going to become of him and mm -hmm. what's going to become of those that follow him. So then... Uh in the book of Genesis, the reference to trees and the partaking of fruit, and uh, this can be, like it was in the book of Revelation, symbolic of uh, a deeper meaning. Well, when, in, the, in the story in uh, Genesis, God uh, plants a garden, mm -hmm. and uh, in that garden uh, there are many trees, uh, fruit-bearing trees. Mm -hmm. uh, we'd call it an orchard. Mm -hmm. And uh, he says to Adam, he, uh, Eve wasn't around yet, he says to Adam, you may eat freely of all the trees of the garden. And then he says that there were two trees in the midst of the garden, mm -hmm. the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Mm -hmm. And these trees, he doesn't specifically say came up out of the ground. That's our first clue. Then he says that this tree of eternal life, that's we want to focus right, right. now. This tree, 
and we discover at the end of uh, Genesis chapter 3 that if they ate of this tree, they would live forever. Mm -hmm. So this is the tree that gives eternal life. Mm -hmm. If that tree was a literal tree, well, we would surely expect to see that tree alive on earth somewhere today because a tree of eternal life surely can't die. Right. And so that tree must still be around. If that is so, then there would be two sources of eternal life. We know mm -hmm. according to 1 John mm -hmm. chapter 5, verse 11, that uh, eternal life is in the Son. Mm -hmm. That's in Jesus Christ. If this tree is also able to give eternal life, then there'd be two ways to get eternal life. And the Bible doesn't allow for that. Mm -hmm. There's only one way to get eternal life. Jesus said, I am that way. So I, is I am that the truth. tree, the tree of life, Jesus, and or a person will say, and then in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is that also a person? One would, uh, one would have to uh, make that leap because mm -hmm. um, A, they were both there in the middle of the garden. Mm -hmm. uh, they're associated together scripturally. God mm -hmm. associates them together. We know that the choice that Eve made was between mm -hmm. the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Mm -hmm. So there were similarities definitely. Mm -hmm. And if the tree of life is not a natural tree, then uh, there's no reason to expect the tree of knowledge of good and evil to be. And furthermore, Jesus actually said that a tree may, cannot bring forth uh, good and bad fruit. That's impossible. Right. So if this was a natural tree, then what Jesus said doesn't make sense. That's true, because this tree brought forth good and evil. So we're talking about a person. We're going to go all the way back to uh, different various scriptures. Look at John 8. We find that Jesus says... To the, to the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil. They said, we be not born of fornication. We have one father. And so Jesus is posing the, 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 the thought that, no, there was two fathers involved here. We find that uh, we go to Corinthians 11, and we find again that, 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 uh, that Paul is referring to Eve as having had two husbands and not being a chaste virgin when she came to Adam. And he said, I fear as the serpent beguiled Eve, so should your minds be beguiled from the simplicity. So one, uh, Eve, then we're looking at the scriptures here. Eve is typed or is literally coming to Adam, no longer a chaste virgin. And it looks as if that Eve is, uh, has a, a second mate here. We're going to be going into Genesis. We're looking at the literal consequences of the fall we're looking at the literal consequences of sin in the Garden of Eden, and it has incredible ramifications. Why a virgin birth? What happened in the Garden of Eden that we need a virgin birth? So we got some awesome subject matter here. I would like to inject here, too, that uh, when, when you were talking about these two, two seeds and uh, Eve having more than one husband, because there in Corinthians, Paul writes that I want to espouse you to one husband, not a husband, but one husband, mm -hmm. emphasizing the difference. So something happened in, in Eden there. Yeah. And then, so, uh, then talking about seed planting, and in Matthew, in the parables, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. So now we've got seed sowing again, yep. just like we're talking about with the woman, seed sowing again. And so now, now we've got wheat and tares, and the interesting thing of it is, is that they were sown, and then the next verse says, but when the blade sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. Mm. So at the time that fruit is appearing, that's harvest time. Right. So therefore, here we are now, we could say Genesis was the sowing time, and now here we are at harvest time. True. The end, harvest, rap, rapture and harvest, that's, that's the same thing. 
And so the harvest time, rapture time, and so, but it says, then appeared the tares also. So therefore, what we're, what we're sharing with our viewing audience here is not, not been known while these wheat and tares were growing side by side. It was an unknown truth, basically, especially, mm -hmm. let's say, to the uh, Christian church world. Right. And uh, we find hints of it that Judaism knew all about it, but mm -hmm. we won't go into that at this moment. So then now we've got these two growing side by side. And then and you can read, the, uh, read this parable in uh, Matthew 13, starting at verse 24. And then this has caught the attention of the, of the disciples. And of all the parables, this is the one they're the most curious about. And so he sa they, they say to him over in verse 36, Declare unto us the parable of the wheat and tares. And, he, and here's now, listen close. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. Now, we've mentioned this before in our broadcast, but the word angels is not always a, a big fellow with, in a white robe with wings on his back. Angel merely means messenger. If a man comes mm -hmm. sent with a message from God, he's an angel. Could be a supernatural being, could be a man, could be your pastor, could be us talking to you right now. We feel we have a message from God. And so now, so now we found that the Son of Man, who is the living word, he, he has a seed line on earth, and the wicked one has a seed line on earth. And just to jump to something, the scripture says also, Cain was of that wicked one. So here now we, we, we see the introduction of these two all the way back in Genesis, the seed chapter. And as Brother, as Brother Stephen mentioned, that when it's in seed form, you could look all you want to in the seed, but it's very difficult to tell what the fruit's going to look like. Right. And, but yet it's in there. Everything, that, everything that, that will produce, it's in the seed at the beginning. So all that the Bible produces all the way through was planted, we find, in the book of Genesis. And then sometimes not clear until we get clear over, like the parable of the wheat and tares says, but at harvest time, there was two kinds of fruit manifesting here. Hey, where did this come from? And then Jesus explains the parable. The wicked one did some planting way back somewhere. And that's our primary subject, which will take us more than one broadcast to cover thoroughly. But there was some seed planting back in Genesis that we're really seeing, becoming aware of now in, in this age. Brother Stephen, you got some more to elaborate. I was thinking uh, when you were talking, uh, Brother Lonnie, that uh, the scripture is clear that uh, it was first natural and then spiritual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what Jesus is referring mm -hmm. to in the parable form is he's obviously telling a spiritual truth and he's using natural seeds and natural earth. Right. However, mm -hmm. there was a spiritual form of what he was saying in that uh, the scripture also says that the soul is like a watered garden. So spiritually, we can be considered ground mm -hmm. into which seed is sown. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, back in Genesis, we have the literal form mm -hmm. of that. As believers, uh, the scripture often uses woman mm -hmm. to represent the believer and Christ is the husband. Right. So as Christ is the head of the church, so the man is the, uh, is the right. head of the wife. There's this parallel between uh, Christ and the church and the man and the wife. So the man has the responsibility of seed sowing. The woman has the responsibility of, of seed receiving. Mm. That's precisely what happened in Genesis. And it uses those same terms, 
But because it doesn't spell it out, sometimes it, people miss it, but it talks about the uh, fruit of this tree. Mm -hmm. And we know that inside a fruit is a seed. Mm -hmm. And so there was seed sowing taking place there in Genesis that was going to produce fruit. And, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier where the... the, the um, the Pharisees yeah. said to Jesus, "We be not of fornication." They were seeing themselves mm -hmm. as the uh, as the offspring of mm -hmm. this concept that mm. Jesus was uh, was using about being of their father, the devil. Well, there was a natural version of that in Genesis, mm -hmm. where the woman produced a fruit that uh, the Scripture says uh, when Elizabeth. Uh, sees Mary uh, pregnant with Jesus, she said, blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Mm -hmm. And so that concept of offspring being fruit is very clear in very scripture. Clear. And so when, the, when Eve produced the fruit mm -hmm. that was Cain, he murdered his brother and then lied to God about what he had done. Mm. Right there in the beginning, we can see what just what Brother Lonnie was talking mm -hmm. about. The seed was sown, and of course we see almost an immediate result. The fruit is produced, and it's a lie and a murderer. Mm -hmm. We would not associate those characteristics with Adam. If Adam had been Cain's father, we wouldn't have associated with So that gives us a clue that all is not as it seems mm -hmm. at first glance in Genesis. I want, I want Brother Stephen, in just a moment, I want him to take us to Genesis and take us to the scripture where it says, and the serpent was more subtle than all the beasts of the field. And let's find out who this serpent is. And was he a snake or was he cursed into a snake later on? Uh, was he an upright being? Let's find out. And before Brother Stephen elaborates on this uh, being that can communicate, speak to Adam and Eve, I want to read you the scripture that we've been alluding to. And then Brother Stephen's going to take us to Genesis chapter 2. Now, Jesus is arguing with the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day. The, remember, no matter how much the Pharisees and the Sadducees were male in that they were priests, they typed the woman. And Jesus is essentially telling them, you're deceived. And they're not having it. They're not hearing it. And that deception didn't start here. It started in the book of Genesis. But let's look at it. It says, I speak, Jesus said that which I have heard and seen with my father. So that's Jesus saying about his father. And you do that which you have seen with your father. Two fathers. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham, because every seed brings forth of its own kind. Verse 40, But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Who killed somebody? that told him the truth. Well, we find that in Genesis, Cain raises up and kills his brother Abel. So let's watch it now. Jesus goes on to tell the Pharisees, you do the deeds of your father. Then said they unto him, now watch this, we be not born of fornication. Well, what's fornication? It's a sexual act that's an inordinate, unlawful sexual act between a man and a woman. So they're going all the way back to Genesis and they're saying, we're not of that act in the book of Genesis. We, Jesus said, you do the deeds of your father. They said, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus saith unto them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came forth from God. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my words. You are of your father, the devil. Watch this now. The lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Who was a murderer at the beginning? Cain was a murderer at the beginning. Furthermore, Satan himself was a contriver to murder at the beginning. 
He was a murderer at the beginning and abode not in the truth. Who didn't abide in the truth? Cain was asked by God, where's Abel? He says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? So Cain lied. So who is this fellow Cain? Where did he come from? And we're going to find it all the way back in the book of beginnings, the book of origins, the original sin back in Genesis. Stephen, if you'd elaborate, we'd appreciate that. I'd just like to pick up where Jesus says uh, that uh, he says, I, I, I am of my father. And he says, you are of your father. Mm -hmm. That's a critical concept in scriptures that Adam who was the uh, character that uh, we read about in Genesis, the first son of God, right. that God created, then he formed his body from the dust of the ground. Mm -hmm. In uh, Second Corinthians, mm -hmm. uh, ex excuse me, First yeah. Corinthians chapter, chapter 15, uh, verse 45, um, Paul says, And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. Mm. That's the Adam in Genesis. And then he says, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Mm -hmm. So the concepts that we are going to read about here in Genesis are, are, are very important because they relate to Christ himself. Mm -hmm. In other words, when we read about the serpent tempting Eve and uh, we read about Adam and uh, the fall, mm -hmm. we know that we're not just reading historical uh, perspective on how things began. Sometimes people will say Genesis uh, is just a, a story to help us understand where we came from. No, it's very critical because mm -hmm. it's telling us in a shadow form, in a picture form, mm -hmm. more about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Paul, in fact, said that the law, that would be the Old Testament, was our schoolmaster mm -hmm. to bring us to Christ. So what we're reading here, just for the viewing audience to understand, mm -hmm. this isn't just describing a historical um, archaeological story. It's really describing uh, in, the, in a picture form mm -hmm. what we need to understand precisely what it is that Christ did for us mm -hmm. and, uh, and how the church is to relate to Christ today. Mm -hmm. And we can use Eve as an example of what not to do. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to get to. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. So right away we know the serpent. Now, um, where I come from in South Africa, we have an Afrikaans translation of the Bible and uh, the Afrikaans word for serpent is slung. Mm. Unfortunately, the uh, Afrikaans word for snake is also slung. Mm. So when you're reading this in, a, in an Afrikaans translation, it'll say the snake. Oh. And uh, that, of course, causes problems because we all get immediate picture of what a snake is. But the scripture in God's foreknowledge, mm -hmm. knowing that this would be a concern, he says was the most subtle of all the beasts of the field. Now, if we went back into Genesis chapter 1 and we looked at the creation and then in chapter 2 mm -hmm. and uh, God giving dominion to Adam over all the creatures, he differentiates between mm -hmm. beasts of the field um, and then he talks about this, the fowl of the air and so forth, the fish of the sea. Mm -hmm. And then he talks about the beasts of the field and the, the creepy crawly things, right. uh, what you call insects. So he, in God's um, vocabulary back here in Genesis, there's a differentiation between creepy crawly and beasts. Beasts are primarily four-footed uh, creatures. And so he's saying that the serpent was above more subtle above the normal four-footed creatures. Mm -hmm. Still an animal, mm -hmm. but in some way superior to them. Mm. Now, unfortunately, the evidence of that has been wiped out, so we can't go back and, and look to see precisely what that serpent looked like. Mm -hmm. But 
um, the evidence of the passage is that he was very enticing. Mm -hmm. There was something about him physically and something about the words that he spoke, mm -hmm. which um, was able to make put Eve at ease and, and really draw into his ideas. Mm -hmm. And that's the same with sin today, yep. is that um, any time we're tempted by sin, mm -hmm. it's generally something that's appealing to the flesh. It's something that's, mm -hmm. uh, d that uh, the, the scripture talks about the... Um, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and mm -hmm. the pride of life, mm -hmm. things that appeal to the, call it our base instincts. Right. So when the serpent came to Eve, he, there was something about him that was very appealing, but he was still an animal, but so there he was, was, he didn't really look like the normal animals. There you go. He wasn't a snake. He was an upright being superior to any other beast, uh, superior to a chimpanzee, to an ape. He was way up there in God's great creation. Well, when, when we look at the four-footed creatures, um, some of them are primarily four-footed. Right. Uh, 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 um, uh, you can't see a rhinoceros standing up on its back legs. But some creatures are able to, to right. get to a semi-erect position. Right. And uh, the primary one of those, of course, would be your ape mm -hmm. uh, that can actually uh, rise up on two legs uh, for an extended period of time. But it's still not the natural position. Their pelvic mm -hmm. uh, bones are not uh, created in a way to support their, their weight like that for mm -hmm. an extended period. And when they want to move fast, they get on all four uh, legs, right. as it were, and they can move much faster. Mm -hmm. So this creature was above the, yeah. the, uh, the normal beasts of the field, right. much more subtle. And then, of course, he had this one other quality which we don't associate normally with animals, and that's that he spoke. And yes. then the next right. thing we read is he says, and yea, hath, he says to the woman, yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So the first words out of the serpent's mouth, surprising to us that he could speak in the first place, being mm -hmm. a beast. And the second, and that, of course, proves that he's not a snake, by the way. Right. Because if he was a snake, a snake, you know, has a, has a, has a forked tongue. Mm -hmm. It can't move air. Right. So a snake can't talk. And, of course, if a snake had an apple in its mouth, it would be even harder to talk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it would be pretty sure it wasn't a snake. Um, nor an apple. <laughs> and yeah. nor, nor, nor an apple. And right. we'll get to that uh, yeah. in a future program. Yeah. But he says... The first words out of his mouth were, you shall not eat of every tree mm. of the garden. And uh, so immediately bringing into question the, 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 the goodness of God, the provision of God. God made all these trees, mm. but he said to you, you may not eat of it. He's pretending that that's his perspective. Mm. And Eve, it seems, wants to come to God's defense. Mm. But in doing so, she let slip more than, um, than, than uh, perhaps she should have. One of the things that we learn from this passage is that uh, God had made Adam first and had taught Adam mm -hmm. what was required. Mm -hmm. Eve came along afterwards mm -hmm. and she learned from Adam the things that God had said. Here is Eve getting out from under her headship and now trying to dialogue directly with the serpent. Mm -hmm. And uh, to use a modern expression, she's literally in over her head. Mm -hmm. uh, the serpent <laughs> is going to deceive her without even trying. Mm -hmm. And so we bring it back to today. The mm -hmm. church today has to be careful. It's the serpent uh, in the form of false doctrine mm -hmm. is going to provi be providing the church today an interpretation of, of the word of God. Mm -hmm. Remember Satan, the serpent here is going to quote God. Mm -hmm. He's going to provide an interpretation that instead of leading to eternal life mm -hmm. is going to lead to eternal separation mm -hmm. from God. So we have to be equally Careful. I see we're running a little low on time. Um, do you want me to continue, yeah, Brother Jeff? Yes, and just Take a few go, to verse, go to verse 2 in chapter 3. And the woman said unto the serpent, 
We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And I want you to notice what the serpent's response is to what Eve said. His response in verse 4, without any further discussion, no further dialogue, no further argument, mm -hmm. he simply comes right out and he says to the woman in verse 4, you shall not surely die. Mm -hmm. You shall not surely die. Mm -hmm. Exactly contradicting what God My. had told Adam and Eve now has to make a choice. Uh, she has to decide, is the serpent telling me the truth? If he's telling me the truth, then this um, this. A tree that I'm looking at isn't a, a bad tree. Mm -hmm. It's a good tree because the one tree gave life, the other tree gave death. Mm -hmm. And he, she's, she's being told it's not going to give you death. Well, it must be the right tree then. Mm -hmm. I don't know what Adam meant when he said the things he said, but I'm going to trust the serpent. I, I'm really taken with him. I think mm -hmm. he's an honest person. Mm -hmm. I think he's going he's gonna to do nothing but give me more information. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'll take his word for it. And the, the and the serpent knows he can get away with that mm -hmm. because of what Eve said in chapter two, uh, chapter uh, three, chapter three, verse three. Mm -hmm. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, "You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it." Mm -hmm. If you read back in Genesis chapter two, and we can read that um, again at a later stage, but he says very clearly, um, he says um, that uh, the that mm -hmm. you may not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said nothing to Adam about touching it. Right. Eve adds to what God mm -hmm. said and mm -hmm. says, neither may we touch it. The serpent says, that's it. You don't know exactly what God mm -hmm. said. You don't have faith in what Adam told you about the word of God. And therefore, I can immediately jump in and contradict him and know that with a sure degree of certainty that I will have success. We are out of time. This is, as I said, an exciting subject matter. We're going to get to trees, and, uh, and just as we've been talking about it, we're going to find the first Adam partook of a tree and became sinful. The second Adam also was partaking of a tree. He died on a cross and became sin for us. So whatever took place in Genesis, there was two trees here. We're going to look at these trees. Jesus, the second Adam, saved us. Let's go into this again on this next broadcast. God bless you. Bye-bye. I hope, friends, you're beginning to see that there's more to this subject of the fall in Eden than perhaps you had ever been, ever been told before. But remember that in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, these mysteries are to be opened in the last time. And we are in the last time. Many Bible truths, the Bible said, were to be sealed until the time of the end. We're in the time of the end. It is time for those things. You met in this program, Stephen Strew. He gave us a message in our church, one hour and 50 minutes on this very subject right here in this auditorium that you see behind me. Write for it, fax, email, it's yours. Friends, today's program is one of a four-part series entitled The Fall in Eden. All four are available on a single DVD. In addition to this series, Minister and Professor Stephen Strew examines this topic in greater depth on a DVD entitled, The Original Sin. Your host, Brother Lonnie Jenkins, has also written a booklet called, The Original Sin, which is available free of charge. To obtain these DVDs or the free booklet, write to us at Global Answers at 1695 Stewart Road in Lima, Ohio, Zip code here is 45801. 
here in the USA. Or visit us on the web at globalanswers.us. While there, look for a downloadable pamphlet entitled Serpent Seed with more information on today's subject. Thank you for joining us.